Welcome to the Reed Brothers Podcast, where we discuss faith, culture, and, and all, all things awesome. Happy New Year, everybody. 2020. Good to be back in the studio. Here we are, having a good time. So we've got an interview for you today uh, that's from the vaults all the way back into uh, from September. So we recorded a podcast with Prophet, uh, author, just general, all-around good dude, Ivan Roman. Um, if you're not familiar, you're going to have a blast listening to this. He's a, a you know real fun guy. So we recorded this podcast in September and then I ended up getting married in November. Oh yeah. So, um, so that took a little bit of time, and then you know the holidays happened. So we haven't gotten this out as quickly as we may have wanted to, but we feel like this is a good time for it. So the beginning of the year, fresh start. This podcast talks about all sorts of stuff. This interview we got into with him, um, we just kind of let our hair hang down with him. It was after the conference. He stopped by um, on our day off. We came to the studio and uh, and just kind of bang this one out had a cool conversation about all sorts of stuff yeah yeah and, and we just want to give you a heads up we we're all church leaders here in the spirit-filled church so we were poking a little bit at our spirit-filled friends and charismatic church so we we're just teasing around so we just want to give you a heads up that you know there are times where we may sound a little bit irreverent mm-hmm. uh but it's all in the best of heart and um it's coming from a heart of love and understanding because this is our communities that we're in so uh, we didn't mean anything uh, mean anything bad by it, but yeah. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Ivan Roman. So it's been an amazing weekend. So we've been able to hang out all weekend here and hear a lot of different stuff. And um, it's just been, it's been amazing how, um, I know we've mentioned it before, but how you're able to talk about um, the power of God and supernatural things in a way that is not weird. <laughs> yes. Which I think it's like a massively needed thing in the body of Christ right now and is like a superpower that you have. Um, I, I love, we, we were talking um, at the restaurant earlier yesterday and you were mentioning how you can always tell when you go into a church and it's like a younger, hipper church and you go in and you're like speaking theology and people are like, yeah, this guy. And then you start bringing out the power of God and people are like, oh no, something weird is going to happen, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I could totally relate to that. One of the things that we talk about here is we're like, let's just not be weird. Like, how can we evangelize and do street ministry and meet new people and bring people in who have never maybe had experiences in the church and experience power, but not just do the wacky stuff for the sake of the wacky stuff. Um, so that's that's something that we're really interested in, kind of picking your brain about how, how can we as the body of Christ invite people into a space where the power of God is evident, but it's not necessarily going to be distracting or wacky or weird just for weird sake. Yeah. I think, I think if you're just weird and that's like genuinely who you are, 
like I think of a guy named Bob Jones, you know, he's a late seer mm-hmm. prophet, Bob Jones, and he wore a Eagle sweatshirts that were a bit too small for him. So his tummy would hang out and he was from Arkansas and his pants had high, you know, high water pants, his socks were pulled up and, and he was just weird. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, people loved him and he, he was endeared by the body of Christ. He had influence within governmental leaders and billionaires. And one story I remember hearing was, uh, he said, uh, I'll be right back. Uh, uh, the Lord said to me, a billionaire is going to call me. And, uh, he just walks in the house and the phone rings and gets off the phone. And, uh, and, uh, the, the, the guy he was with says, well, who was it? He goes, I don't know, some guy named DeLorean. I guess he uh, made a car or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> God gave me a word for him. So anyway, what were we talking about? You know, and so like it was DeLorean, you know, the yeah, yeah. back to the future car. And so, so Bob Jones was just being himself. And I think that's what endeared people to him. And so I, I, my thing is, if you're weird and that's who you are, be yourself. Mm-hmm. But this idea that in order to be prophetic or operate in the supernatural, you have to be weird. And I remember my early days in, 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 in ministry school, it, it was it was it was hilarious because people would walk over to you and they wouldn't look you in the eyes. They'd kind of glare over your head like, you know, and like uh, like they were seeing something in the realm of the spirit over mm-hmm. your head. And it was like, can you, what, are you OK? You yeah. know, like, <laughs> and there were people that were trying to, to somehow form the appearance of being prophetic. And so so my thing is. Something that God's been really teaching me is is about flow. So if I'm fully being myself, I'm walking in my identity. I, I love me. I love people, and I can I can tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's just it's just God moves, and and I find that that when people try to conjure up things and make things happen or hype things up and. You can get things to go that way, but you also have to sustain it with that same measure of hype. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, the word is flow. It's like I think of like Bruce Lee's quotes a lot, you know, be like water. You know, when you put water in a cup, it fills the cup. When water, there's a rock, it moves around the rock. And so I look at it as as if we can if we can help people grow in their identity in Christ, also like like themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like be you. And then out of a place of being uniquely you flow from that place, I think that'll help some of this because I think of like, okay, so your question, uh, let's say somebody who's not saved comes to the church that I pastor in Powered Life Church. We are a very passionate people in our worship, very much like Freedom yeah. Gateway Center. And so, so I felt at home here. I wasn't challenged by people dancing. I wasn't challenged by hand raising. I wasn't, I actually felt very much at home. But if you notice, I sat down most of worship. Because I felt that free. So freedom has to go both ways. Mm-hmm. If freedom means that I'm not engaged because I'm not hopping around like a kangaroo, right? If yeah, everybody is forced to be free and it looks like my level of freedom, I felt so free that I could sit down mm. and rest and just enjoy the presence of the Lord and everybody around me. So to me, that also is a measure of freedom. Yeah. And so I know it maybe seems like I'm jumping around, but the idea of of, of flow for me is is we create an atmosphere for people where they're still, um, what's that called? The, you know, the rudders or the, on the road, the embankments, like they're still, mm-hmm. they're still, um, help me with oh, the, the rails, the rails, they're still yeah, guardrails. Yeah. yeah. So you've come into freedom gateway center, you've come to empowered life church, mm-hmm. and maybe we don't want you, um, just running up and grabbing the mic and saying that you're the antichrist or, you mm-hmm. know, cause I, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're still coming into a house that has structure, but this is, this is what freedom looks like here. And, and you give people the freedom to, to dance, you give freedom the people to, to, to do whatever. And so, so in that environment, 
it's going to be hard to not have some weird if people are being free to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that at that stage, so if I come into a church and every person looks alike, dresses alike, same demographic, well, now, now this, is, this is weird. It's not freedom. That's yeah. not freedom. Yeah. But if I come into a demographic and I see young and old and man and female and some are sitting and some are dancing and some are crying, to me, that's not weird. To me, that's like, this is real. Mm-hmm. And so I think that so, so when we define weird, my, my concern would simply be like, let's say there's somebody who, have you guys seen What About Bob? Oh, of course. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so so when, what about, when, when Bob is eating the steak? Yeah, and he's just like, mm. you know, <laughs> some some people that that's that's their expression when mm-hmm. they encounter the Holy Spirit, they just are like, oh yes, Lord, whoa, you know. <laughs> Others just quietly chew with their mouth closed and they enjoy their steak. And so, I think my concern is is we got to be careful judging what is weird because we don't generally know if that's just the person being themselves. Yeah. So so it's it is difficult to navigate within a spirit filled context. Yeah, it's w- all subjective. It's exactly. Like, mm-hmm. Or else, all of a sudden, what becomes weird is just what is not like me. And That's exactly like freedom right. Freedom is just like whatever looks like us. That's what freedom looks like, and then you end up with just you know automatons and you know, right. a really unhealthy environment. And that that is a trick for freedom. Is like you have to let people not look all the same, and it, it is, and it's odd because you're you're gonna have the. You know, people that want to smuggle in a shofar and you know, <laughs> tambourines, <laughs> like, just be like, it's my freedom. It's what it looks like. I've been really processing that. Okay. So, so I've come from like, I would consider uber charismatic, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you throw a, a Holy Ghost grenade across the room and it hits you and you go flop on the, like that mm-hmm. come from that extreme level of charismania, what people mm-hmm. would say. And so <clears throat> I'm in this transitional season in my own life. I'm turning 40 in April. And it's, it's weird. I have like all these younger people that are like wanting me to endorse their books or mm-hmm. mentor them, officiate their wedding. It's like I'm becoming a father to a younger generation and I'm also a son. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in this kind of bridge. And so I've been, I've been really trying to be a good listener to both generations as I'm planting my church, which is seven years old, and I've been processing. And, and so what I'm hearing from the fathers and mothers that were a part of renewal and a part of these moves of God is they have fought for a place of freedom where the presence of the Lord can, let me say it differently, where the presence of the Lord can move freely, Yeah. right? And so, so many of them came out of dry religion, and so they fought and contended for the move of the Spirit. Okay, so then I, I talk to the younger guys, and they go, we want that too, just without all that weird stuff. Yeah. And the weird stuff being, like, I don't want to get smacked in the face with a banner when I'm leading worship. Yeah. Or someone to walk in with a literal sword and combat boots on or something and be like, this is a prophetic act, and you're like... You're going to hurt. There's small children here. You're waving a sharp object around. Like, calm down. Yeah. Well, well, that's right. And so I'm, I've been processing. It's hilarious, you know. Why is it that the shofar blowers don't practice at home? Right. And then they just... The most skilled shofar blower I've ever heard is like two pitches that just sound like... You're like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a skilled shofar blower. It's like... You're like, well, thank you for that. Uh, but that... So we're, we're doing something in a different key today <laughs> for our worship set. <laughs> so I think the question is, is that do we, do we really need the, to, to, to have the banners and the shofars? Sure. And so for me, I, I'm going, I want to cultivate an atmosphere where people can come into the presence of the Lord, be healed, be set free, be encountered, feel the love of God. And if there's some hindrances to them being able to do that, I think freedom also looks like I 
can restrain what I want to do, mm-hmm. right? And so we're in a season right now with our building where it's not it's not super big like our other building was. We got our own building. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So there's not a lot of room for people to dance and move around. And and uh, it's just interesting to observe people that are so used to their freedom looks like they're able to dance and move around. And now they just have to – they're confined to their chair. So mm-hmm. It's like they're like twitching. You yeah, know? Yeah. So it's interesting to me. So I think also a part of freedom is not using your freedom as – What's that scripture Paul talks about as like a, a license, you know? Yeah. A, or, you know, so sometimes freedom looks like I'm not going to do the backflip in the church service or rip out the sword. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to leave it at home and I'm not going to be offended if the pastor says, hey, we don't do that here. So I think the, the, the freedom component is interesting to me because biblically, freedom is, am I free to love? Ephesians, I don't know if it's five somewhere. So free to love means sometimes if my love causes you to stumble— if my freedom causes you to stumble, then I don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's true freedom versus I'm so free that you have to let me yeah, fill yeah. in the blanks. Well, because there's, there's a unity part of it when you come together. It's like when a family's having dinner and it's like the dad's like, I'm free to go watch the, the baseball game in the other room. It's like, sure, you are. But like, are you part of what's happening? And, you know, so good. you're also free to, to not do that. And, you know. Check out, check in on that later. Like, come be present with everybody. There's something else going on in the room I love that's that. maybe more important than the thing that you want to do right now. You know, yeah. and it's better. It's inevitably. I mean, you touched on a, you touched on a huge, huge thing there. I mean, I think theologically we're in a in a transformation and a reformation. You know, when I look at, um, <clears throat> it's all about me. Jesus, you know, honestly, there's yeah. been this radical shift to like my calling, my dream, my vision, me, mine. You know, it's like uh, mm-hmm. I, I heard a, a prophet say, "Charismatic tongues, me, 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 my, 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 money, money, money." You know, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> oh, dang. And, and, you know, it's it is kind of a spanking. But you realize uh, but, I'm going to do a dubstep remix of that now. <laughs> me, 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 I, but money, money, money. <laughs> it can't not happen. <laughs> so, so, so when you look at the Pauline epistles. Paul is saying, let us, mm-hmm. us, we, it's, it's plural. You know, we have the mind of Christ, not just I have the mind of Christ. We are the church. Mm-hmm. So that kind of transition into having a corporate identity, not just a personal identity and vision and mission yeah. is huge. It is, but it's tricky because also you've got the, the side. I mean, obviously so many ministry schools exist to just free people into their identity. So, I mean, we've got this other side that the church can can tend to be like what you are is your you know you're a son of god you're a daughter you're all these things but it's like what do you care about what are you passionate about like there isn't really identity being called out in people it's kind of like this it, it goes both ways you it's know like it's this this more of the spiritual nature of the christian than it is your actual personal identity and calling 100% yeah so you've got people that really need their identity to be coaxed out of them and like to be free to be them, like you were saying earlier, but then also like now bring that into the family, bring that into the us, bring that into the we together. Like when powerful people are actually released in their identity to be in unity together, I think that that's, that's where the magic happens. I heard a, a prophet say charismatic tongues. Me, 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 my, 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 money, money, money. That's where the magic happens. Me, 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 my, 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 money, 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 money. I heard a, a prophet say me
said something that re- was really intriguing to me. You know, you're talking about this next big reformation that's coming, and I think a lot of people are sensing that, and it's 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 here. You know, it's it's happening. There's a, some kind of wave. You know, some people say billion soul harvest. Some people say uh, the next apostolic reformation. Mm-hmm. There's all this different language that people are trying to put behind it. But I'm just curious because you're talking about um, even the the protestant reformation you know is about freedom it was about how do we express what our our convictions are and our i mean shoot our even country was based on religious freedom and being able to express our theology and our understanding of god and our practice in a certain way but it seems like now there's been so many i was just reading the other day there's over thirty-three thousand different denominations of christianity uh, on the planet right now that are recognized and um, you look at all these different traditions, and even non-denominational now, it's what does non-denominational even mean? Um, so I think a lot of people are looking at how do we, as a body of Christ, come into a greater level of unity and have it not be uniformity, that we all have to act and look the same way, but how do we have community space that's safe, but also how do we have... Um, more of a corporate expression across the body of Christ. Like, how do we achieve, or what do you think, for greater levels of unity within within the church? And kind of what do you, what do you think this next Reformation is going to look like? So 2005, I had an encounter, and the Lord spoke to me, spoke to me, and he said, I'm bringing a Reformation that will produce a revolution. And this Reformation will be in our understanding of the nature and character of God. And so I saw a vision, and I saw this like huge library, and he said, commentaries will have to be rewritten because they've gotten it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm 25 years old, and I'm skitting up on platforms, and I'm saying, God says he's bringing a reformation in the church that's going to bring a revolution. And the reformation is going to be on the nature and character of God because the church has gotten it wrong. And I get the spiritual papas to go, hey, you know what you're talking about? You know? And I realized that I actually knew what I was talking about more than they did. I was seeing something that God was doing. Now, what's this reformation all about? The goodness of God, the grace of God, the new covenant identity. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so God was showing me something. And so this reformation though, I believe, has to happen first within before without. So it has to happen. I have to be reformed inside, not like reformed Calvinist or reform, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. I have I believe the reformation has to take place within. So when we look at the subject of unity, if I could be really, really vulnerable and transparent, and I'm, I stand to be corrected, I probably should be corrected, but I personally don't like, my like goal isn't like, let's have a unity gathering. Like, let's get everybody together. And, and you know, like mm-hmm. for, for me personally, I don't even think about unity in that way as much as I think of like, I've been become love. Like if I can work on in my own life, learning to love people, then I'm finding that I get along with more diversity of people. And mm-hmm. so I think when we talk about unity without that, ref- the, we talk about reformation without the reformation of my heart, without the transformation of what God's doing inside of me, then you're never going to have unity. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, so, to, so to me, I look at like the early days of ministry and I would go to all these ministries and I'd say, hey, I'm the new pastor here and I'm going to start this ministry. And then they'd laugh, they'd take the flyer, they'd throw it away, they'd mock the name of it. You know, I had mm-hmm. that kind of stuff happen to me. And then 200 kids start coming out and now all these guys are going, hey, what's going on here? So for me with unity in the church world, it's, it's like a really interesting thing. You know, it's like you almost got to prove yourself before people will actually kind of jump on board. And I don't think it's supposed to be like that. So, so for me, I almost feel like as we grow in intimacy with Jesus and revelation of the Son of God, we become more like him and we continue just to kind of pioneer, what you'll start to see is people start going, what's, it's like Bethel. 
like like Bethel movement, like Bill Johnson. I was there around 2001 too. And I, I remember the waves that were taking place, you know, with, with Bethel and the just the teachings of the love of the Father and the goodness of God and so on. And I remember being in Flushings, New York, and I'm sitting in a, it's an all Chinese church, and I reach in a seat back pocket there and I pull out When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson. Mm-hmm. It was an all Chinese church. It's written in English. And I remember being in Topeka, Kansas, going into a pastor's office. He sits me down. On his desk, there's Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven... Like, I can tell you, during that season, everyone was reading When Heaven Invades Earth. And these pastors were, like, not sure they believed it. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're reading this book four or five times. And then they would process it with me. Like, is this really... You know? And so... What am I saying? Sometimes I think you, it requires a forerunner to get opposition, criticize. Mm-hmm. Who's not you? That's not that doesn't look like unity, Bill. Yeah. Bill doesn't look like you're trying to build unity, but he pioneered in such a way that now look, there's a global movement. Even churches that don't believe in Bethel are singing their worship 100%, songs. Yeah. Is, that, is that kind of yeah. so? I, I know that doesn't sound like the the normal way of creating unity. Of like, let's all slow down, back up, just so that we can all agree. I kind of see that God raises up reformers that don't give a rip about what you think about them, but they're carrying a truth in love, mm-hmm. and they break through, and then all of a sudden there's a movement formed. So I, I know that's not the— Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it makes so much sense because it brings it to like this personal accountability spot first because we always kind of want to make it like unity is like, oh, they're not going to do—like it's always about them. It's, it kind of right. feels like, you know, where it's like, why wouldn't why don't they just get better theology, you know, <laughs> or whatever, instead of it being like, let me reform my own heart and and do what I'm doing in love, whether that looks like it's bringing—if if I'm doing what's on the Father's heart— it's going to bring unity in the long run. In the long you know, run. It kind of reminds me of the idea of even unity instead of u- like unison or uniformity, like in music where that's multiple, it's harmony. You know, there's mm. multiple pitches together. And when multiple instruments are playing, in order for them to come together, they all have to be tuned on their own right and they have to be doing their own thing. You know, back to the even, <laughs> the callback of the shofar. That's why it's so like out of place right now is because it's not tuned to anything. It's Ooh, that's it's, its own thing. It's not, it doesn't, you know, jive in, you know, a well-tempered system that we're in right now. It actually is dissonant by, in its very being, you know, it's an interesting, it's, it's this rogue entity that's not tunable. It's not tempered in any way, but like once we all become tempered and reformed in our own hearts, you know, we can bring our peace. And you just gave me like, like a, like a, permission to like i'm sorry the reason why we don't allow the shofar <laughs> is because it can't be tuned I, you can take that you that, can take that thank yeah, you that, thanks for that. You can have that that's for free that's just a gift for you <laughs> yeah i have used that before it's the same thing with the tambourine where i'm like we're playing to a click like i'm sorry but like if, if you want to practice like come on stage like I'll, I'll tell you when rehearsals are like i would love to have a tambourine player here it plays well, you know, like if you smuggle it in your purse and it's got, it's bedazzled. I'm, I'm usually, I'm, if I had to guess, I was a betting man. I'd put my money on. You're not practicing that thing very much, you know, so it can't come into unity so with the rest funny. of what we're doing, you know? And I, I think any of the pastoral side of me here, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and it starts to offend you, like, oh, these guys don't understand. Listen, what you're saying is critical. It's like if you only play the shofar, the tambourine dance on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. it's performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so so there's this element of even David's worshipers had to be skilled and anointed. Yeah. Not just yeah. anointed. Mm-hmm. They had to have skill. Yeah. And so that so for me that's what it's about. It's like I'm sorry, but you're not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like Sunday morning we we want to bring this thing to the Lord and and if you're 
if you have to dance on a Sunday or the only time you're playing the shofar is on a Sunday, that, that's a performance thing. And for yeah. me, I just would rather just let's not do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, sure. I mean, don't get me in a soapbox about that. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even worship music with the skill, like the skill, the, the best of the best we've got, we're still playing three-chord songs right now that yep. are worse than any modern band. And it's so like uh, we've got a lot of work to do. We can't be going in the opposite direction Come on. where it's like, let's do less work. No, it's definitely the, the tribe of Judah needs to like be skilled. There's no yes. doubt about that. That's that's obvious, you know, and it's really been one of the things that I think we've let down the world in, in a lot of ways. Personally, I know that's harsh language, but it, I do think dum, that dum, we've dum. like, yeah, <laughs> we've blown it. Guys, we could do better. Um, and we will. I think it's it's coming because there's there's really a heartbeat in a, in this generation. I can I can feel it. like a, the more worship leaders I talk to, there's like this secret like, yeah, I'm playing Chris Tomlin songs, but like, what I want to do is you know, and it's yes. coming. Like there's I think that we're gonna start getting more interesting stuff, but it is hard. There's more things. So I'm not a worship practice. leader, and I'm not a you know. However, I feel like in another life I would be like a you know like a worship. Like it's my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My opinion, which is is on this thing is because we, you know, so like I, I joked around when I'm preaching, but I'm being very serious. I'm Puerto Rican. And so if this is true, because I've heard this, I haven't read it, that, mm-hmm. you know, each person's DNA strand can actually be tested. Have you ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. And then it, it can actually play to music. So there's a sound in me that does nothing for. Yeah, yeah. You need some syncopation. My my legs don't tap to just, you know, yeah, there you go. I'm already moving. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I feel like a huge part of, you know, this thing is stop just GC and whatever the other one is. Like, we have to have all nations. The understanding of my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations mm-hmm. isn't that you have a house of prayer and you just pray for nations. It's actually talking about all ethnos yeah. coming and worshiping the Lord together. That's the whole thing of the tabernacle of David. So as long as we segregate our white churches and black churches sure. and Chinese, yeah. you're, I don't think we're, we're going to have the worship, the sound, the new sound everybody's yeah, yeah. talking about isn't going back to the 70s and bringing back, come on, Jesus, light my yeah. fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100% it's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's probably not, you know, whatever, like... Katy Perry either, you know what I mean? Like and, and, or Coldplay. I mean, if we get start getting like real honest or you too, it's like not that either. Um but the trick is is it even one sound? Like even as you're saying like if each person every tribe has this unique DNA and this unique flavor, I I wonder if it's disingenuous to force everyone to do the same thing anyway. Like, you know, that I still think that that's probably more of a Western mindset, like imperialization, like we know everybody, like colonialism, you know, like we have to go make everybody like the same because um, it's easier. And it, now that this is the rub for me as a worship leader, just like transparency here. Um, there's something beautiful about C- like CCLI where it's like reporting. I don't know how hip you are. So like, obviously I can go on there and say, this is the songs that the church is reporting. The ones that report what they're playing and actually like pay money to songwriters, which is important to me. So like not the ones that are just mm-hmm. uh, off rogue doing their own thing, but the ones that are like giving credit to the, to the writers of this music. Like this is like, I can go there and be like, these are the songs America's or the world is doing that's reporting. And that's a beautiful thing. So now I can be like, this is part of, like, it, people can come to the church from any other stream. And if they're playing music at a, at their churches where they're reporting that, I can see what that is. And I can be, like, on trend with all of that so that there can be, like, these are the songs that, you know, God is on right now in the church. That's a beautiful thing. 
However, the people that get onto CCLI are, are very, very, I'll say white in general. Like the, the African-American church is not represented there. The like Hispanic church is not represented. The Chinese church is not represented. It's like America. And basically it's Bethel, you know, you know, Elevation, Hillsong, that by and large. Um, Tomlin, sprinkled in for color now, you know. <laughs> it's like, so the problem is we've got very much one sound dominating everybody else's sound um, and the church is telling them that that's what they need. Like, if you're doing what God's on, it sounds like this. It looks mm-hmm. like this. So that's a tricky thing to get out of now. You know, it's kind of like introducing the world to McDonald's and then being like, but, you know, we, we need Chinese food, though. Like, make your own stuff. But it's like, it, it's there now. It's homogenized. It's easy. It's, like, cheap. It's, it's affordable for you on every street corner or Starbucks or something. It's hard to back away from that, you know. So we're mm. we're in a hole a little bit with that. But... Um, I, I would love to think that every church is going to start writing their own music and getting mm, it on there. And it's going to be much more, you know, the YouTube generation where it's just like, it doesn't matter if it's on, you know, the, the billboards right now or not. If, you know, if you can record, we can do a podcast, sit in the back room of a church. Like everybody can do that. Everybody can go record and do like that's It's mm-hmm. much more accessible now. <laughs> so, so, so I've been debating whether to say this, but I'll just go for it. I think about like uh, when I've gone to different countries, you know, and it's like, singing Chinese, you know, or the African songs where they're trying to sing, you know, like, and and it's, 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 it's kind of sad, you know, just I'm a Westerner in your country. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll try my best to sing in Portuguese and Mm -hmm. I, and I, you know, versus they're literally singing. Yeah. Yeah. English songs. And I, and I know that for a lot of people, to worship in your own language, there's a depth of connection that you don't have if you're just singing in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's hard, you know, because in a sense, like, it, it brings the global church together. Like, obviously, you know, English has become a very predominant language in the world. So, I mean, like, you can say in one sense, like, well, that's helping people, like, speak a common language, I guess. But it's like, that's not the goal, you know? The goal is not for everyone to look the same and sound the same. So... I think it's it feels to me more on God's heart that we're eventually going to have more accessibility to other like I could go and watch Portuguese you know services before I go to Portugal you know what I mean like and then I'm I'm like in in the stuff like kind of feeling like you know getting ready for what that sounds like what that before going taking a trip there and that kind of thing like it seems to me like that would be a better world. I think one of the things for me too is I've been astonished at how narrative in the Western church really hasn't been utilized, and yet it's been such a powerful tool throughout all of church history and even Jesus. I know you mentioned, man, why aren't we teaching the parables more and getting to understand the parables more? And as this is how Jesus chose to teach is through parables and stories. And and yet when we look at music, a lot of times the music, we're just telling people things. And uh, one of the core concepts that, because both Andrew and I are worship leaders, you know, musicians and artists, and one of the things about uh, worship music that's frustrating to me and to us is like, you know, it's, they say for good art, you want to show somebody. So show, not tell is good art in general. And a lot of the 
worship lyrics and things like that are very straightforward. It's like we're going to try to get some, if it's good, even the higher end caliber artistic worship music is like we'll get some positive theology in there and like some maybe personal experience. But if you look at a concept like lament or struggle or that kind of a thing, it's like very little represented in worship music. And yet you look at the book of Psalms and it's like, what, half the book of Psalms is lament where it's like the real stuff. You know, like I don't feel great all the time. I'm not I'm not going to get up here and be all cheery if I'm not, you know, but I'm going to offer that to God. And it just it's one of the things that just strikes me that narrative can be such a powerful tool, and yet you look at things like Christian movies, for instance, and a lot of people are frustrated with them, saying, like, this is not creative. Like, it's kind of a feel-good, sugar-cookie thing. (laughs) It's basically what we end up with, (laughs) where it's like, I I see what you're doing here, but I saw it a mile away, you know, and unfortunately that doesn't move me, Mm -hmm. you know? But in that same lens of, like, we want shofars to be tuned, let's say, it's like we we want... Christian art and things that that is happening in the kingdom to be of the highest caliber and excellence and creative and engaging and showing people who God is, not just telling people about who God is. But I'm just curious, uh, have you seen any movies lately or read any books that you just really encountered God in that weren't, let's say, the quote-unquote, like, churchy stuff, you know? If Kirk Cameron was in this movie, it doesn't count. Ah, <laughs> it just doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> so back, back to the singing part, have you guys heard Kevin Prosh? Mm-hmm. So lately, in my pursuit of like heartfelt worship, I find myself going back to Prosh. Mm. And you want to talk about like David and Davidic worship. Like mm. that guy is singing what he's feeling, what he's yeah. going through, and he's been through a lot. And, and uh, I, I don't know, I, I feel like Prosh is a, is a good mm-hmm. A good example. He's not. He's sometimes it's not even melodic. You know, it's the the, the music is just like, yeah. "Don't leave me, God." Yeah. You know, and you're like, uh, "Whoa, that where'd that come from?" Yeah. I don't know. So I think Prosh would be somebody mm-hmm. who who lately I've been I've been feeding off of mm-hmm. just the the rawness, the vulnerability, and I can't really think of anybody else yeah. in the yeah. music yeah. world. As for movies, you know, um, the Odell family uh, had me watch a movie that that was. Uh, that was that was. I think it actually was great. It was a Christian movie, and I think it'll help. You know, a lot of uh, prevention. To the the unplanned movie. Mm-hmm. Oof, it was hard to watch though. Mm. So that would be something that if somebody's listening, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it it'll help people if they're thinking about having an abortion or want to get on that. But it again, it was it was rough. But as for like Christian movies, like or or books, some of the books that I enjoy that I would say have that kind of would be like I like Ted Decker stuff cuz Ted mm. Decker can he can write books on serial killers mm. and it brings like a gospel message in it you know yeah. <laughs> you're just like wow. or even the 39th mystic or some of the mystic books that he has you know you can see where it's going a little mm-hmm. bit but I, I liked some of the stories but movie wise I I just being really honest when I hear that it's a Christian movie I do have a little bit of that like <sighs> here we go here yeah. we go yeah. yeah it's like normally cheesy and but um what I what I'm what I'm really looking forward to, and I'm hope they come out with this is, um, oh Lord, help me remember the name. It's a it's a series on David, and his mighty men, hmm. and um, and basically the guy is uh, it's historical fiction, and okay. it's supposed to get turned into to a movie uh, through the YWAM guys. Uh, David Cunningham, I think his name is Lauren okay. Cunningham's son, is a producer, hmm. and uh, the Lion of War series, Cliff Graham. And so, so if you guys have never read this book, you know, 
my wife tried to read it and she was like, yeah, it's a, I don't get it. It's a boy thing. Mm-hmm. But but for me, it it was um, – it takes the story of David and the Mighty Men and it shows, okay, they're in Philistia and this is happening or Ziglag. But then it creates the narrative of the backstory. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it's – oh, man, it's awesome, man. It's just like, you know, David walks in the room. Shh, David's here, you know. Yeah. And then the men are talking about David. Is he mad? You know, he talks to himself. He throws up his hands and he sings songs to God. You know, and it just mm-hmm. talks about like even that time where, you know, it says that uh, Ziglag, you know, David goes off and he defends the enemy army. I think it was the Philistines. And he comes home and all his wife and kids are, are kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And these mighty men that have followed him now want to kill him. Right. This is scripture. And then it simply says David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. Right. So that so this, the book breaks down that whole thing mm-hmm. and it kind of gives you a little bit of like what. You know, your imagination would want to think of what David yeah, was doing. And right. they're like, they're going to kill him. And then David doesn't even address how anybody feels. He just walks in the room and says, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to go get our family back. You know, just <laughs> you're reading the book and you just start rocking like, like Lou Engel. You're like, oh, my God, I want to go kill something right now. So so I, I like stuff like that, you know. that, that So I don't know. I, I It is hard with the the movie thing. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I tend to really enjoy comedies. Yeah. I like to laugh. I like stuff blowing up. You know, when movies get really sad, like, have you guys seen the uh, show This Is Us? Oh, yeah. I, I, I won't watch the thing. And it's not that I have a bias against it. I'm like, do you cry when you watch it? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> People 100%. tell me, they go, they yeah. go, oh, it's like a sozo, like inner healing. Yeah. When I go, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> and it's not, it's not that I don't believe in, in a soul care. I am a pastor. I meet with people every yeah, day, yeah, I this, and yeah. I hear destruction in their yeah. lives and, and affairs and, and mm-hmm. su- suicide and depression. Mm-hmm. I want to go home and watch a comedy. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I want to watch another sad movie. So I think yeah, a lot of the tones sure. of Christian movies tend to be very like tragedy. And mm-hmm. anyway, I think I think yeah. it'd be fun to just have some like funny stuff. Like John Christ. You ever see him on the? Okay. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just laugh. Let's just like uh, be goofy once in a while like I, I anyway i think sometimes we, we we if the kingdom of heaven is righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit we got to really work on that joy component i think in the church mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah well it's funny because joy and like laughing and even humor and what you're talking about with the story of david and it like is both humanizing in a way yeah um like i think we tend to still like over spiritualize things and and it's like we don't we're not allowed it's like it's got to be holy and even as we read the bible like there's so much that I hear people's take on things, and it's like as if these people were levitating, you know, 15 off, inches off the ground the whole time. But it's just like these are people going through people stuff too, you know. And it's actually very easy to see if you, you know, if you just are honest with the text, you know. It's like there it is, these people being people and wrestling with God, and not not just like this one story. They disagree with each other. There's conflict. There's difference of opinion. There's all the real stuff in there, um, and sometimes it's hard. But like in that ancient writing style to see all of those things from our perspective now, like you don't, you don't know, always hear It's like, this is what the mighty men of David were feeling while they, you know, while that was going through, like, we don't, that's not represented well, you know, but you definitely hear how John's feeling. You know, there are times where you hear, you hear how Christ is feeling. You hear God, you know, use language that um, does bring you into that world and, and lets you experience that joy. On the other hand, um, I don't know. Yeah. 
I wish there was more humor. There's there's a bit. There's a bit of humor in the Bible. It could be funnier. Yeah. If I was critiquing mm-hmm. the Bible, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. God, you know, uh, probably, you know, give there's me one some chapter. puns in there. Can, yeah. <laughs> I think back to what you were saying about narrative, you know, it's interesting because, okay, so the Bible's a book of stories. Mm-hmm. And somehow we've made it a book of, you know, doctrines and theologies and right. so on. And so, yeah, I just, I think you just, it's interesting. It's you're right. You know, now when I read the scriptures and I read whatever I go, Oh yeah, that's uh where people get their view on predestination. Oh yeah. That's the Arminius view of it. Mm-hmm. It's like you start reading the scripture with a filter versus going back to like this guy, Bobby Connor, who I have a lot of respect for is a prophet. And he said that, uh, you know, he's 77 years old, been ministering over 50 years. And, and he says, you know, the Bible started almost to become boring. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to, I'm going to basically cause you to have an awakening in in your understanding of scripture. So he said, he started to read the account of Abraham. And then it was Abraham took the boy on the mountain. And all of a sudden he said, his heart started to beat, started sweating. He said, is he going to kill his son? Hmm. Like for a moment, he didn't know what was about to happen. (laughs) And then God, and and he got caught up into this story. And I think that'd be incredible for us to be able to read the scripture again. Not like, oh yeah, I know it happens because, you know, you, you, you cross-reference Genesis, you know, to, to Hebrews where Abraham reckoned mm-hmm. God is, you know, and, and after a while you just got all your pinpoints and all that. And so it'd be interesting just to kind of like, let's just dive into the word. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We would need the Lord to help us with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, our church fathers have done that though. I mean, that's like Ignatius style meditation, you know, like so much of that is actually like, let's put yourself in this experience again. Let yourself experience this. You know, I, I think one of the most enjoyable things is like every year I try to at least once or twice go through the gospels again and be like, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, what's Jesus going to say next? Like, honestly, honestly, that same heart where you're like, maybe not like I'm going to be surprised, but like I'm letting myself feel what that first feeling is like again, like returning to the story again and being like, what does this do to me? Instead of just like, what does it do to my head? Like how, like you're saying, what are the implications of all of this? And what does that mean about this? And what, what was the first mention though? And like, instead of all that, like that's important, but we, we kind of force our, our ministry students to do that at a certain point in the year. And it's really fun to watch the transition back to like, let's just experience this because right. the word is alive, you know? Yeah, it's like we've turned the Bible into, so what is the stuff that I need to know? Here are the things that I need to know. And then I check off the things and then I just need to know more things about the Bible. And then that's that's what our Christian life is distilled into. And I think you were even mentioning during the conference about the supernatural and the imagination, how a lot of people talk about imagination in a Christian context like it's a bad thing, you know, that like, you know, uh, what is it, the worldly imaginations or whatever that Paul passage is where, you know, you have this bad connotation. But I think God in the spirit wants to use creativity, wants to give you visions through your imagination. And that imagination, if we're able to capture the heart of God, then we can use our imagination to create amazing stories and narratives and art and and even like better theology. You know, that's been a, one thing uh, we we like to joke around. Like, I went on this excursion to find uh, this theology and stuff when I was entering ministry school, and I was looking for you know sweet like evangelical and like fundamentalist teachers to look into that were like academically acceptable and stuff. And it was like. I didn't really find that many evangelical like leaders that were considered theologians, you know? And I was like, why? You know? And I think it was a little bit because uh, all, all the questions are answered. 
all the all the creativity is taken out, all the imagination of our relationship with God is kind of taken out. And I think over the course of the weekend and, and even inspiring people to to be asking God to give them visions and and be open to supernatural things, I think people's imaginations are gonna get sparked and you're gonna see some really amazing things that come out of that. Cause I would love for um, you know, everybody listening and, and the body of Christ in general to just get really inspired again with their relationship with God and with scripture and really take that to the next level. And, oh, you know, man. there's a whole nother generation that needs to hear the message. And it's like, everybody knows the story of Easter now, you know, everybody knows the story. But if it, if we lose all the passion and all the the imagination behind it, you know? Imagine if we were the disciples and, and Jesus dies, and it's like, oh man, what are we going to do now? That period of, oh man, what's going to happen next, uh-huh. you know? It makes the the deliverance, and it makes the ascension, and it makes the, the Christian life exciting again, and I, I think you're that's one of the things I, I just want to bless you. I think you can inspire people to do that as well. I know I've been inspired this weekend, and that's I know awesome. we've had a lot of really good feedback, and yeah, it's just an exciting time. I'm I'm excited for this reformation that you're talking about. I had an exp- experience as you were as you were just not my experience wasn't just now, but as you were talking it brought it back to me. I went through this season where I felt like I needed to and I went deep into theology, you know, and I love N.T. Wright, but I could barely read his books. You know, I'm like, I'm not an academic, you know. And so I have to force myself to get past the first three to four stinking chapters where they're just thanking people and they're, you know, and like all those all those <laughs> academic books. I'm like, get to the point. I'm like a Book of Mark guy now, immediately, suddenly. <laughs> and so, the, the, you know, it's not fun for me, but I felt like I needed to do it for, for myself and for the body of Christ. I felt like... Mm-hmm. Dang it, I don't want to just be the guy you bring in to prophesy mm-hmm. and go, but don't teach because that's not why you're here. So I, But what happened to me, though, is as I started to ingest all this uh, theology, you know, and, and, and it's awesome. I, honestly, it was very transformational for me, but I started getting to a point where I started to become, I don't, I don't know if the right word is dogmatic, but it was like, huh, you know, somebody would talk about futurism or, you know, and I, I got almost like this, huh, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I still not, believe that. <laughs> but but in, in my heart, I was like, idiot. I started to feel mm-hmm. like that. Like, huh, you're so uneducated. Now, all of a sudden, now I'm, the, you know, yeah. I believed in pre-trib yesterday, and now I read a mm-hmm. book, and now I'm judging everybody else. So I didn't really realize that was what was going on in my heart, but I did start realizing that some of my friends started pulling away from me that weren't going through this transformation. So I go to Ireland, and... Uh, you know, I didn't believe in thin places anymore. I believe that I am an open heaven, and there's no such thing as 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 open heavens. We're, you know, Christ already opened the heaven, and feel, you know, and I get the theology behind that. So I go to Ireland, and we're just driving in the vehicle, and we get out the car, and I'm stretching, and zzz, a, a portal opens up. You know, <laughs> hmm. a lion walks down the stairs, starts to roar. One of the women on the team said, "I believe we're supposed to sing in the spirit." She starts singing, and I'm like, "What in the world?" I start having these type of experiences and not like, okay, Ivan, get a word for the church. No, just walking around Ireland mm-hmm. and a place where St. Patrick prayed and these mm-hmm. type of things. And, and, I, and I, I, said, I said, Lord, you know, what is it? He goes, it's a thin place. <laughs> and I go, hold on a second. You, 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 I just you, proved those wrong. You, you, I just taught that I don't even believe in like geographical locations yeah. that, that are more open than others. And, and here God, you know, so, so mm-hmm. what happened in this encounter was I saw the Bible opened. And the, you know, the, the, the letters on the page and just, and I had an understanding, like, know this, like understand original context, like 
understand the scripture. So mm-hmm. I got that. And then it went. And it, it, it went into dimensions. Not three dimensions. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was like, God, what are you showing me? And he said, understand the word, but then start to live in the word, dive in the word, experience the word. And so like I started to, to go into all these different things of almost like, like I could use a scripture reference as an anchor to launch me into an encounter with God. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it, I felt like God was showing me like, this is a piece you've never had, Ivan, which is this foundational, mm-hmm. what's the context mean? So this is what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. However, there's going to be scriptural references that maybe God's going to release what we call the rhema word. Absolutely. That's going to speak to somebody that actually is not contextual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, that book I read and I go, oh my goodness, this guy's dumb. No, wait a minute. God actually breathed the rhema word. You know, there's places where you see the apostles say, this is that. And you go, this is that. That's not that. Yeah. This yeah. wasn't that at all. Yeah, he meant, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So, so I feel like what you're saying, you know, I felt like God corrected me, frankly, and just said, you know, people are... are having experiences in the word and, and sure, that's why we need the teachers, the objective word of God. This is the context. But I do believe the prophetic side, which I know frustrates a lot of people, right? The prophet gets up and says, uh, this is the year of the harvest, you know? And the teacher gets up and says, come on. The scripture says, don't say there's three months and then the harvest, (laughs) the harvest is, you know? And so, so I started to almost have this like, bipolar season of the teacher gift and the prophet Mm. gift fighting inside of me. And I was like correcting myself all the time. Then I had this evangelist call me and and he would call me and he'd say, Ivan, you know, I I, I trust your prophetic, you know, where's, what's going to happen in this church? What's going to, where's the harvest? I'm an, I'm an evangelist. Where's the harvest? So I have this encounter with a, I see a vision of, of Alberta and I see the oil wells of Alberta caught on fire. And the Lord begins to download into me that there's like, I said, there's something about to happen in Alberta and I believe it's the fire and it's the oil. And I, and I had this kind of allegorical thing that came to me and I, and I prophesied this. Well, a few days after that, and this is like all documented, the oil wells burned in Fort McMurray, Alberta. Mm-hmm. The, there was actually a fire that burned on the, in the oil fields. So it was the oil and mm-hmm. the fire and it burned. So then people were like, I, oh, I haven't prophesied this. Is this like the judgment of God? I'm like, no, Bro. this is the devil. <laughs> the devil set the oil fields on fire, mm. but God is saying this is what he's going to do. So I had to kind of help yeah. people get, get their the context. Yeah. So, so why am I saying that? Because we understand the con- scripturally, don't say there's three months and then the harvest, but then practically there's places that have been contending and believing God and preparing their hearts and setting nets up that will probably receive more harvest than the other places that have been praying. Mm-hmm. So, does that make sense? So Absolutely. I th- I yeah, th- we, we train on that the same because it's so important. Like if you just read the cult, like one, we need cultural context more than it, like I, I, that foundation is huge. We can't say that enough. Mm-hmm. Like we can't point to people, you know, enough to be like, understand what that writer is saying by this or else you're not reading this. You're just reading your, it, whatever you want into it, you know, and you're right. going to inevitably take it out of context. Um, but then if you just only live there, it's not alive. It's not in you. It's not, you're not interacting with this text. Like it does, like these are the stories of our people, of our family. It's not like my parents can tell me how they met, but like, and that's a beautiful story and it means a lot. I'm a, like a product of that thing that happened, right? Like it's important for me to understand that context. If I like, that's the only way I interact with my parents is by that story. Then that's a bizarre way to be a son. You know, mm-hmm. like I've got to then interact with it. Yes, I get that. It's a yes. And, you know, right. like that piece is good and important. It's foundational to me being alive and everything. But like now I want to 
you know, know what they care about and be able to interact with them and love them and be in life together, you know? Yeah. And I think we need to be in life with, with, with a text in a way that's interesting because that's part of, you know, how God breathes on, you know, the future of the church too, not just like, let's mm-hmm. idolize the past and be like, let's go back to the, be on, be in a first century church and all this. It's like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, no, thank, thank you. you. I'll take toilets. Yeah. I'll take running water. <laughs> like I'm, I'm happy with that, you know? Right. Yeah. People th- often think the first century church had it right, you know? Yeah. Like Peter, you know, he's like hanging out with the Gentiles and then when the Jews come, he's like, you know, th- there's mm-hmm. a lot of problems yeah. in the first century Absolutely. church, you know? Yeah. Are you telling me Paul's not perfect? Yeah. Is that, is that <laughs> well, we all know that Paul read the King James translation. There you go. <laughs> That's the only translation that counts. I mean, if there's if there's no asses in your Bible, then it's uh, or unicorns. <laughs> so so I'm I'm uh, 20 years old, saved a few weeks. I get my brother to come to church. It's Palm Sunday, and the pastor's AG pastor, which didn't, I guess I didn't need to say that, but maybe gives a little context. And he's got his you know suit and tie on, and he's reading out of the King James. And he says, and, uh, and uh, Jesus, he uh, asked his disciple to get that ass. <laughs> and, uh, and my brother and I, we look at each other, and he says, and, and, and the pastor says, uh, see, see, nobody had ridden that ass before. <laughs> no. You see, and he, this is the, bu- the buildup. You know, the, pre- the preach is coming because oh it was a wild ass. <laughs> nobody had ever tamed that ass. And I'm not even kidding. Oh and, the, and the pastor just went Has off. Has no idea. And he's like, like, and then Jesus sat on that ass. And then, you know, and he's doing the Pentecostal pre. And my brother and I, I'm like just laughing so hard, you know. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, my gosh. That's my King James story. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a, that's a solid one. That's a solid one. We've got a couple of fun unicorn ones, but, yeah. The, but that's... That's a for another time. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, yeah. That'd be the week that you would invite all your friends that had never gone to church before. And they're just like, oh, man. Man, my pastor's super relatable. You know, he's pretty cool. You know, it's like he reads a KJV still. But no, he's in general, it's pretty cool. Like, cool stories and stuff, you know. It's just like, but it's the ass story week. <laughs> That's what's happening. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It's always like that, too. You know, you bring your friends and family to come to church, and it's like, fire tunnel. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Back to not being weird. Yeah. yeah, it's, like, it, yeah. it's kind of impossible. It's one of those things. Like we are peculiar people, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So for all, all of you who have not heard uh ivan has been here all weekend so if you want to check that out you can go over to uh, the website or on freedom gateway center social media and you can watch the conference and engage uh but is there anything that you want i know that you're working on a book currently on the supernatural is there anything that you want to say about that i'm working on two books presently the the one book is on victoria spiritual warfare and uh, my kind of introduction to ministry was with evangelistic ministry in the third world. So we saw demon possession, like not just like, are they oppressed or are they possessed? You know, that's a very Western question. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're slithering on the floor and, and right. they're speaking yeah, in right. three Pretty different voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 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 and back then it was this like, just yell and scream. And so, uh, so I, I've kind of come from that process to understanding new covenant and understanding the enemy always got his lies. 
And so I've been really processing how to get people free, but how to stay free, how to live free. And so that Victoria Spiritual Warfare book I'm teaching on basically living your life seated in heavenly places. And it's very much Mm a book on identity and new covenant. I'm also working on a book on supernatural identity because I feel like Whenever I he, I've heard teachings on identity, it's it's like, uh, you know, don't let shame hinder you and guilt. And it's mm-hmm. like an inner healing book, which is awesome. But there's this element that I feel like it needs to be talked about that I have eyes in my heart. It's weird. Like mm-hmm. I have spiritual senses. And I, and I think that the challenge that I see with people that wrestle with the charismatic movement are those that have never been taught that they are supernatural. Yeah. And that to access God, you must worship yeah, Him in spirit. You can't avoid this thing. Yeah. This is a part of who you are as a new creation. And so so that's the other one that I'm working on. So pray for me. There's, I have quite a few book you know, uh, ideas. I have one called Detoxing Religion. Cool. And uh, I want to go nice. to there. Oh my God! I, t- I you know, I, I kind of show, uh, you know, Galatianism, legalism, antinomianism. I kind of take all the extremes. Uh, but uh, anyway, one time I was teaching that. And uh, a guy manifested and said, are you telling me you watch rated R movies? And uh, I, I, was, I was like, oh, whoa, buddy. Whoa. That was, just, I am 100% not saying that. That's fascinating. That just, that just escalated quickly there. Uh, and the brick stabbed the man with a yeah. trident. <laughs> so, so, I, so I got a lot of book ideas, but I need prayer because, I've, again, like I, I, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating, but it's hard for me to write books. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I have something that the Lord told me to do, and I sit there and I – it takes me a really long time, so praying for good ghostwriters and editors mm-hmm. that, you know. So, yeah, I have, nice. a lot of, I have a lot of things that are in my heart. Well, that sounds great. Wow. We'll be looking forward to that. You'll have to keep us in the loop. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an amazing Thanks. weekend. Such yes. a relatable, down-to-earth yeah, guy. You're one of our people. It's yeah, awesome. for Love sure. It. Cool. Should there be a disclaimer, like, because we say ass on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, okay. we'll do a whole trigger warning. We'll be like, if you're a religious person, <laughs> well, it's, if King you watch rated R movies, it was all referencing <laughs> the King James translation, though. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's it's yes. the word of God. It's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 I mean, okay. it counts. There's that. It's not really. Yeah. So we're basically <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Reed Brothers podcast. Make sure to like, comment, and share. We appreciate your support. We'll see you next time.